0: Hello, and welcome to the Masterpiece Ministries Podcast, hosted by me, Abby Burnett. This podcast exists to share stories of the transformation of God's people, His masterpieces. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. My prayer is that you learn more about the love and faithfulness of God through the stories you hear from regular people just like you. Now, let's tune in and listen to this week's story. Enjoy! This is Abby. Welcome back to the Masterpiece Ministries podcast. So excited that you are here today and that you are tuning in to another episode. Um, Just thank you for all the people who have supported me so far in this and who have given me great feedback and um, have just really encouraged me so far. So thank you for all the love I've gotten uh, since starting this. To start off this week's episode, I just want to kind of recap my week a little bit. I had a really busy week. Um, it's been good though. Just lots of, lots of different things to do and, uh, people to see meetings to have, et cetera. Um, we've had some crazy weather here, uh, where I'm at, uh, there's like flooding one day and now it's supposed to like snow next week. So we'll see what happens. But I also wanted to start kind of a segment at each of my episodes and have a gratitude moment. I find gratitude to be so important, thankfulness, getting in the the practice and the rhythm of being grateful and being thankful and out loud saying the things that you are thankful and grateful for. I think we can think them all the time, but it really impacts you differently to either write or state out loud the things that you're grateful for. So I've developed a habit in my journal of journaling down five things each morning that I am grateful for. And this week I found myself writing down uh, people that I was grateful for, the women and the community that I have in my life who surround me and support me and uplift me and encourage me and challenge me. And I'm just really grateful for those people. Um, You know who you are. (laughs) And I'm just really thankful for, for those people in my life. And I pray that you also have people who bring growth to your life, who don't just bring Comfort and comfort zones, but people who challenge you and people who love you and pray for you and pray with you. All that stuff is so important to our life. And soon enough, you're going to hear some of my friends, some of those people sharing their stories on this podcast. So today is another solo episode with me. I'm hoping to start guest episodes next week. But today, I wanted to talk about a topic that. I feel like the Lord has really been placing on my heart recently, especially as a young person, and that is the topic of holiness. And some of you just heard that word and you're like, ew. (laughs) Um, Sometimes I feel like it's like a Christian word, a very Christianese word that sounds really bougie and complicated and... Um, seems really esteemed, like you have to be like a higher level Christian in order to have that. Um, And quite frankly, it's just not true, but I think it's really misunderstood. And so today I wanted to talk a little bit about um, holiness and what I feel like the Lord has taught me about it and what scripture says about it and why we should pursue it as believers. And I feel like we have a big generation. I don't I don't know. I don't want to say a big generation, but I've heard of a lot of Christians who claim Christ, who say, I'm a believer. I am a Christian. I identify this way, but their words, their actions, their lifestyle, their behaviors, their habits do not align with the things of God or the things from the Bible. And at my church recently, we've been Uh, conducting interviews for a panel that we're having at our church, which is a panel of people who do not claim to be Christians. And they are coming to our church to share their experience with the church and their experience with Christians. And I've been able to sit sit in on interviews with these people and hear what they have to say. And one of the themes that I notice among people who have had negative interactions with Christians is that they say there are so many Christians who don't actually live what they claim to believe. Uh, they say one thing and then act another. They say they love people and then are horrible to them. Or they say they believe in peace and are causing unrest. And it was really profound to me to hear this from non believers to just say that they recognize what's going on. They see that there are people who are claiming to know God and claiming to have this undeniable love and, and peace and hope and savior. And yet they're not living in a way that reflects that. And the Bible actually talks about this in John 15. Uh, this is the vine and the branches passage. And I'm going to read from my Bible. It's in John 15:1. this is Jesus talking And he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. So when we talk about fruit and knowing a tree by its fruit, think about when you see a tree in nature. Like if you were to walk by an apple tree and it's not apple season, uh, unless you're some like botanist or something, (laughs) you're not going to walk by an apple tree and be like, oh apple tree unless you see apples growing on it right or i would not know what an orange tree looks like so i'm not going to be able to walk by a tree and say oh that's an orange tree unless i can see oranges growing right unless i see the fruit growing and jesus uses this metaphor to to help us understand that people will not know that we are believers unless they see fruit of our salvation unless they see evidence of Jesus in us. And so I wanted to kind of talk about that today because I think holiness and the pursuit of holiness is one of the way that one of the ways that we show Jesus to the world and that we show how he has changed our lives. So, a little bit about my own journey with this topic. A few years ago, I was in a home group, like a small group and we were reading a book called The Pursuit of Holiness. <laughs> and I was a little bit younger in my faith. Um, if you listen to my last episode, you know that I grew up in a Christian house and things like that, but didn't really fully start living my faith um, until about 2018, 2017. And I was in this home group and it was the first time I was with other believers in community. And we were reading The Pursuit of Holiness, and I was getting really frustrated reading this book because of the word pursuit. Um, I am a achiever. (laughs) I am competitive. I like to check things off a checklist and get things done. And so the concept that holiness is something that I have to pursue and I'll never achieve it was frustrating to me. I wanted to be able to get to a point where I could say, check, done that, I'm holy, let's move on, right? And I remember my group leader was just like really patient with me in that and allowed me to really talk about this and and work through it when I was speaking with my group members and help me get to a place where I could realize that this pursuit was a good pursuit and that it grows my faith in Christ as I do it. Um, when I was younger in my faith again like in 2018 or so, I was really living that double life that you hear a lot of Christians talk about, right? Like I was going to church, I was serving in high school ministry, I was um in a home group, I was doing all the things, right? But my heart had not been captured by the gospel yet. I grew up knowing that my sins were forgiven and that God loved me. And so I took full advantage of that, which is not a proud thing I say, uh, but it's just an honest thing. And I was living in a place where I knew what was right, or I thought I knew it was right by behavior standards. And I was choosing to not do them and just ask for forgiveness later because I knew God would forgive me, right? So I was still like partying, I was still drinking and going out. Um, I had a boyfriend at the time who I was sleeping with and things like that. And, uh, I would just feel really bad about it, but not bad enough to stop doing it. Right. Like my guilt wasn't so strong that I felt like, Oh, I really need to stop this. It was kind of like, yeah, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but like, sorry, God, try it again next time. Right. And I wanted to kind of participate in the world in order to better relate to people, right? Like me going out to bars and drinking late into the night with my friends is a way that like they interact with me and they see me as cool and relatable and whatever. Right. And I can hopefully rub off on them. Um, But really it was just me wanting an excuse for wanting to still do the same things I'd always been doing. Right. I wanted to, have God, but I didn't want the change to happen. I wanted to have forgiveness and I wanted to have church and I wanted to have my home group, but I wasn't ready yet to turn my life over. Right. I wasn't ready to like, let him infiltrate all that stuff because it had been going fine so far. Um, and so as I've, as I've gotten older and as I've matured in my faith. And as I've read my Bible way more than I ever had in the past, what I see in the Bible when I read it is that God challenges us to live a holy life. And what does it mean to live a holy life? Holy, the word holy and holiness means set apart. So holiness is not this third level of Christianity that you reach. It's not something where you can pay enough money to the church to achieve it. It is living set apart, living differently from everyone else around you. And that's what God calls us to, which is kind of unnerving a little bit, right? To be different than everybody else. Um, but as first Peter says, I'm going to flip there in my Bible. Um, first Peter 1.14 says this. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So let's unpack there what that's talking about, right? He starts off by saying, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance ignorance. This reminds me a lot of Romans uh, 12, 2, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? So again, it's using that language of conformity and to not be conformed, which we could deduce also means to live set apart, right? To not follow the crowd. Um, But don't be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. So former, the word former implies that there's a before and there's an after, right? And ignorance usually means we didn't know any better. So when I think about my former ignorance, I think about before I really understood who God was, before I really invited him into a relationship, before I really started reading his word, right? Before all of that, I had former ignorance. I was living in a way where I didn't know any better. But now that I know better, now that I know God's love, now that I know what his word says, I cannot be conformed to those desires anymore, right? I have to put them to death. I have to move on from those and pursue holiness. And so I want you to challenge yourself for a second right now and just like stop and think, what are those former desires that I had? right for some people it might be um a desire to lash out in anger right to just like pop off at the flip of a switch it might be a lustful desire i've struggled a lot in that area and learning how to frame relationships in new ways and view people of the opposite sex as god's children um you might have desires with alcohol or drug addiction. That might be a temptation for you. Uh, it might be a desire of pride. You are inclined to put yourself above everybody else and, and think that you have it all together, that you don't need anybody else or whatever that might be for you. We all have desires from our former ignorance that still pop up in our current lives. But it says that we are to be holy in all of our conduct, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. And the be holy because I am holy is actually referencing a verse in Leviticus. It's Leviticus eleven forty-four through 45. And if you know anything about Leviticus, a lot of people hate the book of Leviticus because, or maybe I shouldn't say hate, or they struggle to read the book of Leviticus because it feels like a lot of laws, which it is. Um it feels like a lot of do this, don't do that, and there are a lot of things about what's clean and what's unclean and uh how Christians should abide by certain rules. And the beautiful thing about studying a book like Leviticus is that for me when I started really reading Leviticus, it showed me like how much Jesus came to unify us and reconcile us back to the Lord. For Jesus, there were so many laws about things that you had to do in order to be holy enough to enter God's presence and to enter the temple to worship. And there were all these regulations because God is so holy, because he's not someone that we can just approach casually. Like He's the God of the universe. And so there were these really strict ways and regulations that had to be followed because his presence was so holy, so powerful. And the beautiful thing for us is that Jesus is the bridge in that gap. He is the one who reconciles us to God. So we don't have to comply by all of these certain rules and routines and orders in order to come to God. We can enter God's presence because Jesus has already cleared the slate for us, right? He has, his righteousness has come upon us and God sees Jesus when he sees us. And so therefore we don't have to abide by all of these Old Testament commands anymore because Christ fulfilled all of them. And so I think it's interesting that it, it references the be holy because I am holy from Leviticus because it shows now in the New Testament that it still applies. We're still called to be holy, But we do that through Jesus and through the Holy Spirit, right? Not by our own actions. And with this idea of like not conforming and and former ignorance, it shows that Christianity is really countercultural. Like that's one of my favorite things about the love of God is that it goes against what you expect. Like At work, for example, if someone is really irritating me and instead of turning around and talking bad about them, I choose to focus on the things that are good about them, give them the benefit of the doubt, you know, just have a little extra grace and not lash right back out. That's not what people expect. People expect you, you know, they did this to you. You get to do it right back to them. That's how our world operates. That's how culture operates. And Christianity says, no, turn the other cheek, right? That we're to put the needs of others before ourselves and forgive one another. Our world does not operate that way. Our world does not operate on forgiveness. It operates on revenge and payback and whatever, all that, all that type of stuff. And because Christianity is so countercultural, I think that's sometimes what gets people interested. They wonder, why would you treat somebody like that. They they deserve you to dish it right back to them, you know? And that's where you get to say, "Hey, Jesus has forgiven me. I'm going to forgive other people." But if we're not living this life of holiness, if we're not pursuing anything different than what the rest of the world is pursuing, why would anybody want to be interested in what we have? Right? If you claim to be a Christian and you're out there talking bad about somebody just as much as everybody else, why would they want your God? Because clearly your God doesn't teach anything different than what they already do, right? Why would non-believers be interested in a faith where the people act like everybody else and there's no change, right? They don't see anything different. So clearly your God is not that impactful or powerful if you treat everyone just the same way as people who don't believe in God, or you have the same behaviors and routines as people who don't believe in God, right? And I think about this in my life, particularly about the area of purity, right? And sex before marriage and things like that. And that is an area that when you tell somebody like, you know, I'm choosing to not have sex before I ha- I get married, they're like, what? Why? that's boring or that's silly or whatever. And it allows a conversation to happen where you can explain why you believe that, why I've chosen that for myself. But if you're out here doing what everyone else is doing, then you look like you're living counter to what your belief system is, right? Cause people know people have a general idea of what Christianity is all about. And so If we're not living a life that we're pursuing holiness and we're not pursuing the things of God on a regular basis, then we are confusing to people who do not know the Lord. Now, I want to be very, very clear about this God is not after behavior modification, He's after soul regeneration. I say that again, God is not solely about behavior modification. He is in the business of soul regeneration. So, God does not just want your behavior changed. He doesn't want you to follow a set of rules because he said so, right? Or because someone said so. He desires relationship with you and he desires to have your soul brought back to life, right? The Bible says that we were dead in our sin. Ephesians says that we are dead in our sin, but God, right? But God has brought us to life. It's not like we were bad people. We were dead people. And so he comes to regenerate our soul that is in desperate need of him. He's not just after your behavior change because behavior change without soul change is not going to last, right? It's going to feel phony at some point because your soul hasn't regenerated. You haven't renewed your mind. You haven't realized why you're doing this, right? It's just a list of rules that you were told to follow from a young age, but a natural process of renewal in your soul is that your desires will change, right? James, the book of James talks about this, um, talks about the idea of faith and works. And in James two, uh, James two, verse 26, it says for just as the body without the spirit is dead. So also faith without works is dead. And what this verse is saying is that your faith, you are saved by grace alone, right? We are not Saved by our works. There's nothing that I can do to forgive my sins. There's nothing I can do to achieve salvation. There's nothing I can do to be right with God. I am saved and righteous with God because of His grace and His love alone. But what the Bible teaches is that your faith and your salvation should in turn spur on good works because of the sacrifice God made for you you are going to experience a regeneration in your soul and it is going to change your behavior I've kind of noticed that there wasn't really anything that I particularly did to feel this way to feel differently but with spending time with God and reading his word over time my heart has grown to desire the same things that he does and in second Corinthians 517 I know I'm kind of flipping around there's so many good verses on this but in second Corinthians 517 it says that therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation the old has passed away and see the new has come and I actually have this underlined in my Bible with the word regeneration in all caps This verse indicates that when you're in Christ, there is an old and there is a new. The old has passed away and you are a new creation. And a new creation implies that there is new things in your life. There's new desires in your life. God puts new dreams in your heart. He has a new vision for you. Your behavior does not change your salvation, but your salvation should change you. If you have a faith and you stay the same as you were before knowing what Jesus has done for you, I would challenge you to sit with the Lord in that and ask yourself, do I really understand for myself that Jesus came and died for me to forgive my sin so that I can be right with God? And if he loves me so much and if he died for me, why wouldn't I want to pursue him by pursuing the things that he's about? Right, I misunderstood that when I was newer in my faith. I understood that He loved me and wanted to save me, but I didn't understand the impact of it. I didn't understand the magnitude of it. That God loves me so much that He sent this perfect and blameless sacrifice to take my place, so that I don't have to constantly be in this chase of trying to earn my way back into good graces. Right, I point to Jesus and I say He. Has paid the price for me, and therefore I have forgiveness. And now I'm going to commit my life to him because he deserves it, because he died for me, because he loves me more than anybody else ever could. So therefore, my life is now defined by pursuing things that he loves, right? There's a verse in Philippians that says, Whatever is holy, whatever is pure, whatever is righteous, whatever is true, whatever is lovely, focus on those things. And so pursuing holiness and set apartness is not easy, guys. I'm not saying this like every day is a walk in the park for me, right? It's it's challenging. It's not easy. I am met with opposition all the time, whether that's spiritual opposition and I feel like the enemy tries to get in my head and lie to me and say that God is withholding good things from me or he does not have my best interest at heart, or why am I following this if you feel like he's not showing up for you or things like that, or whether it's judgment from people and I get weird looks or people comment back and say, you know, that's strange. Why would you live that way? Or whatever it is, it's not easy. You're going to struggle. And just because you're a believer doesn't mean you don't struggle with sin anymore. I still have desires where I want to choose my own way instead of God's way. Like, I'll be so honest. Some of the things that I still struggle with are like my music choices. Like I've been trying to listen to more godly music because I know that I'm inputting good things into my ears, right? But man, when I'm in the gym or when I'm driving down the road, sometimes I just want to throw on some Drake or I just want to listen to... Is that the most uplifting And a holy choice? No, it's not. And yet I'm trying to work on it. I'm trying to invite God into those areas. I'm trying to ask him, what does it look like to honor you in this place in my life? I also struggle with my language from time to time where I'm not careful with my words and I'm not careful with the things that I'm saying. And I feel convicted by God when I am maybe not using language that I should, or I'm speaking negatively on people when I should be speaking things that will uplift them and be positive. And so it's still a struggle. You're not going to be perfect. You're still going to struggle with sin and sinful desires. But the question is like, where is your heart? Is your heart in a place where all you want to do is honor God and honor the Lord and do what he has called us to do, Or are you in a place where you want to honor yourself and your fleshly sinful desires? Because there's a difference between someone who is really content in their sin or in their fleshly desires, and then there's people who still experience sin but are grieved over it or who confess it to their friends and who talk about these things because they are trying to pursue a life of holiness. Remember that God loves you. He is for you. He will always be there for you, whether you're doing well or whether you feel like you're not. He loves you regardless. And he is always willing to sit there and sit with you as you're struggling with this, as you're doing well with this, as you're trying to learn how to honor him more in your life. And it is a lifelong pursuit. We are never going to achieve holiness, right? Like I talked about In the beginning of this episode, it's going to be something that we have to pursue for the rest of our lives until it is made complete in heaven, right? Heaven is where the whole story comes together and we get to experience that oneness with God forever and ever. And so my prayer for you is that you would join me and join other people in trying to become a generation that not only talks the talk, but also walks the walk. That people around us would see a pure desire to love the Lord and to honor him and all that we say, think, and do. I believe, and I do believe that it's possible because I see a young adults ministry around me that's growing. I see young adults all over the world. Like my prayer is for a generation of Christians who say, we're not going to live in this lukewarm area of not really pursuing the things of Christ, right? Like I'll get to it later. God loves me regardless. Pray that we would be living sacrifices and testimonies of who God is, and how he has changed our life, which again is what the purpose of this podcast is about, right? It's to bring you stories of people who are not perfect people, who do not have it all together, but who love the Lord and are pursuing him in their daily walk and who are pursuing holiness and trying to fall more in love with Christ each day and trying to reflect him in all that we do. And if that is your heart, God is so pleased by that. And he loves you dearly. And he loves to be in relationship with you. And he wants to use you to do amazing, amazing things in him. So I pray that this conversation today is encouraging to you. Um, I hope it doesn't bring feelings of shame or conviction. Because remember, we are free from shame because of Christ. We don't have to feel shame for our past decisions or feel like we're less of a person for the things that we have maybe made mistakes with in our lives, right? I just talked about a bunch of my mistakes (laughs) here on this episode, right? But I am not those things. And I can use those things now to talk about God's goodness and how he is transforming the desires of my heart. And I pray that he transforms the desires of your heart as well. So this week, spend some time with him, get in his word, find out how he wants to speak to you, ask him to speak to you, reveal to you what needs, um, refining, what areas of your soul still need some regeneration or also what areas of your soul has he healed? What pains has he, you know, made beautiful and celebrate those with him as well. So thank you again for tuning into this week's episode. Uh, I would love to hear your feedback, your reviews, leave a five-star review if you love this podcast and please share it with your friends, text the episode to somebody, have a conversation with them about it, share it on social media, whatever you can do to spread the word so that we can, um, share God's stories with more and more people and just build a really positive and uplifting community that loves the Lord and loves people. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you next time on the Masterpiece Ministries podcast. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Masterpiece Ministries podcast. I pray that you feel encouraged after listening and are reminded of God's love for you and for His people. You are His masterpiece, created anew in Christ to do good works He has prepared for you. What will your story be? If this podcast has been helpful or encouraging to you, please share it with your people. You can follow us on Instagram or TikTok at masterpiece.ministries. See you next week for a new episode. Bye!